Welcome to Guarding Your Nest Egg Podcast. Mike, you know, I love football season. I'm the president of the tailgate. We've talked about this before. I don't think I realized that you were the president of the oh, yes. tailgate. Okay. It's is not, there, do you wear a badge or do you have what? I just get to work? tell everybody what we're eating, what we're drinking, and what time to show up. It's kind of a really, really big I'm just yeah, kidding. It's not are, that big it's a deal. It's like a, a whole power thing you've got going on there. <laughs> right. Well, we did a preseason happy hour the other day, yep. and one of my dear friends, Bernadette, her and her husband were there. I said, hey, how's retirement going? So she's retired. Yeah, she's recently retired. Bernadette's retired, okay. Very cool thing that she's spending her time doing. She is an extra for television shows and movies. This is something that I think I would love in retirement. So she is an extra with Righteous Gemstones. It's an HBO Max television show. It's kind of a bit much, but it gets great reviews. Where does she live? Is she in the... Like, She's in Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston. Okay, so this is all right. So we all gather for from context. around gotcha. different areas for, yep. you know, said tailgate. Anyway, she's doing so much of this to the degree that they said, listen, your face is showing up too much. You can't be just an extra you like, everywhere. You, you like this too much. We're oh. gonna, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now she's looking into going into the Atlanta area when she has some free time, not it's watching grandkids out. and stuff and looking at movies. I think that's a cool way to spend retirement. You're making a couple bucks, but she got to be around John Goodman the other day. He's a mm -hmm. part of Righteous Gemstones. I don't okay. know. It sounds kind of fun. It is kind of neat. Did I ever tell you a story when I was an extra on a TV show? I did not know this. So I was, but I didn't know a lot about being an extra on a TV show. But so Katie and I were on a, a vacation to New Orleans. Long story short, a TV show, a series that we really, really enjoyed at the time was filming right there in uh, the French Quarter, mm -hmm. sort of downtown, maybe even, in, I think it was even on Bourbon Street, but kind of away from the the main area and I'm walking by and I start seeing these actors that we recognize. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's the show that we've been watching. So I kind of made my way into the crowd and I slid into the extras area. <laughs> as long as you, and a lot of times in life, if you act like, you know, you know what you're doing, you make it, you act like yep. you know what you're doing, like, Hey, well, yeah, whatever. And you just look around like, I've hey, gotten backstage at many a concert that way. So they're going, ah, oh, you know, last time I did this and by the way, I've never done it, but just talking to me. And then Katie sees me doing it. And then now of course, like, oh geez, now I've got to get her in. You know, I've got to try and negotiate <laughs> this and get into the extra. And then they're orchestrating, getting all the extras through. Do you want to know how to really upset extras? How? Be a fake extra. Really? They take so much offense to that. They looked at me like, you weren't here in the meeting before? Like, you scoundrel, you just snuck off the street. Now you're going to be... They were so upset that I had finagled my way into well, to being an extra. And uh, anyway, I thought it was great. And then we wound up on TV. We actually watched oh, cool. the episode later. There we were. What was show fun. was it? It was a show called True Blood. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. a little show called True Blood on HBO. Come on, that's a big deal. Very cool. I'm still waiting for, um, what's the um, association you get into? This SAG. Yeah, yeah so I'm still waiting guild. for, yeah, I'm still waiting for my Well, it's a union, so you may not want to sign up for that. <laughs> All right, we'll see. <laughs> that's interesting. Fun fact about Mike Lester, even though he's not that big a deal, I can promise you, ask his wife. But mm -hmm. what you are really good at is, I guess, accidentally being an extra and figuring out this whole financial conundrum that we all feel we are in. The financial news, it's a lot. And the financial pundits have been referring to someone called Dr. Copper 
lately. So who mm-hmm. exactly is this doctor? Well, S&P Global's Dan Jurgen tells CNBC. Well, copper is known as Dr. Copper because of all the commodities, it has a reputation for this uncanny ability to predict economic downturns. And that's certainly uh, what it's doing right now. Now, Mike, you've been talking about copper being an economic indicator for quite some time here on the show. And now Reuters says that the price of that red metal logged its biggest quarterly drop since 2011 Mm -hmm. in the second quarter of this year. Well, we've been talking about recession since January. We're talking about it because everything that has been happening up until this year, in my mind at least, it's just not sustainable. You can't print as much money as they've been printing. You can't just keep pumping it into the economy. I know they try to blame it on Ukraine and they try to blame it on Russia and they try to blame it on supply chain issues and all of these things. The reality is, is if you pump tons of money into an economy, you've got too many dollars chasing too few goods. Mm-hmm. And when you get that, you get inflation. And so here we are with this horrific inflation situation. Uh, we just hit 9.1% on the consumer side. If you look at the industry side, it's, it's even higher than that. I think it's over 11%. It's way too high and, again, not sustainable. When we take a look at all of the investment options that are available out there, and if we take a look at investment advisors or firms that are trying to convince people, hey, Listen, you know, don't look over there and all the bad stuff. You know, look over here. It's the shell game where people are trying to convince uh, investors to, hey, just hang in there. Just don't worry about it. I would say, well, let's listen to Dr. Copper, right? I mean, that's a very, we all know what copper is. We see it all the time. It seems kind of simple, but the reality is copper, it is used in industry around the world. And so if you see the price of copper dropping, which we have been, by the way, just looking at copper today, copper's price, and again, it's bouncing around, but it's right now it's somewhere around where it was in 2017. And if you think of 2017, we're in this big growth economy, things are going up and up and up and up. Well, the price of copper today is, is somewhere close to where it was in December of 2017. That's not good. That means things were growing, growing, growing. And if you looked at a chart of copper, which I am right now, it is absolutely tanked. It peaked somewhere around, oh gosh, uh, March of this year. Mm-hmm. And it's done nothing but drop since. And nothing but drop, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it's been bouncing around, but it's dropped. That's a problem. And the reason it's a problem is it means the demand for copper is going down. And if the demand for copper is going down, then people who need to use copper in their manufacturing, right, whatever goods that they're producing, the demand for those goods is going down. Otherwise, they'd be ordering more copper. And you can bet, and the reason it's called Dr. Copper, is that it's a predictor of demand in the future for consumer goods because of the amount of copper that's used in consumer goods. So if we take two steps back from this market and we take a look at, well, what is likely to happen three months from now, six months from now, a year from now? Well, the reality that manufacturers are losing less copper means they're getting less orders, which means eventually that trickles into the numbers on the profits of these companies that sell these goods. And it's potentially bad for the stock market. So when I go back and I take a look at the S&P or I look at the Dow and I start doing the math on where are we right now, it's overpriced, it's overbought. Even though we've had a huge pullback up to this point, meaning you know 20 plus percent, we are still higher in markets than we were prior to COVID. And then ask yourself, well, how do you feel about the economy right now compared to how you felt about the economy 
when COVID first hit? How do you feel about the government right now compared to how you felt Gosh. about the government before COVID hit? And if you actually take the time to think about all of that, I'm not trying to scare people, Kristen, but if you take the time to think about it and you go, and this is just me talking here, but I think a lot of people feel the same way. I don't feel better today than I did in January of 2020 before COVID. Mm -hmm. I don't feel better. Um, I don't think anyone does. It feels worse. I don't feel better about the economy. I don't feel better about the government. And I know the market is down quite a bit, but we aren't seeing good economic indicators right now. Confidence is down with corporations. Confidence is down with consumers. Confidence is down with home builders. All of the leading indicators, and again, they're not always right, Kristen, but we work with people that are retired or close to it. So it's my job to help people protect and grow their money. In this market, we're very negative. I do think we're in a recession. I do think when we see numbers, I'm guessing we're going to find out, hey, we've been in a recession. That's not good economically moving forward. It's not good for your portfolio moving forward. And even if you're down right now, we should be having a conversation about investments that will do well in a recession, that will do well in a bad economy. We shouldn't be talking about hanging in there. And Kristen, the number one call we get week after week is my advisor or my firm has been telling me to hang in there. And that strategy has now lost me 20 plus percent mm. in the market. I want to have a conversation with you guys and find out what you've been doing. Because all we're saying is, hey, listen. Come take a look, see how we've been doing compared to how you've been doing. And if we can provide value in your situation, you might want to talk to us. Wall Street obviously has set some records in the first half of the year. Unfortunately, none of them are positive. But so far for 2022, investors have experienced the worst starting six months to a year for the S&P 500 since 1970. And bonds are usually seen as an option for lower but more stable returns in times like this. But from what I understand, they aren't looking great either. And I've heard yeah. of short-term bonds, long-term bonds, treasury bonds, high-yield bonds, even municipal bonds. A bond's not a bond. So which bond is the best option for those seeking safety right now? Kristen, that's a tough one. I mean, bonds, historically, right? And so a lot of people are being told to hang in there particularly if they're on their 401k plan or other retirement plan at work, they're looking at conservative options. And one of those options are, are bonds. Interest rates affect bonds directly. Now, you may have a short-term bond, long-term bond. Kristen, the reality is most people who are investing in bonds, and again, mostly through retirement plans, they aren't looking into the details, it, whether or not it's a short-term bond or a long-term bond. They just have the perception, which most people would, because again, they don't manage money professionally, mm -hmm. that, well, stocks are risky, bonds are safe. Well, we're in an environment right now where stocks are risky, bonds are risky. And I think that's counterintuitive mm -hmm. to a lot of people based on what they've heard. And then also looking at the retirement plan at work or even listening to a financial advisor or firm who tells you, don't worry, hang in there, you're diversified. Diversification right now on a sort of typical diversified plan could mean you have a certain percentage in stocks for growth and you have a certain percentage in bonds. Like a 60-40 Like a 60-40. Okay. And guess what? Both of them right now mm -hmm. technically have been bad in the past six months. Being proactive in management of portfolios, helping clients. We make money when our clients make money. I know a lot of people say that, Kristen, but then half the time they say we make money when you make money, but then they don't make any changes when things get really, really rough. We've been in a situation where bonds are down, stocks are down, the past, going on eight months now in the market, haven't been good for most people. 
that were committed to the market or committed to a, a so-called diversified plan. And people are being told to hang in there. I would just want to encourage anybody who just feels, because I know this is out there because we're getting these phone calls, they feel like they're down. They just want to wait it out. They're sitting in cash. They just want to wait it out. I can tell you there are investment options out there that we should probably be talking about if you're in cash and you're waiting it out or if you're worried about inflation. The issue that I think a lot of people are dealing with is, well, I'm in cash. I mean, maybe you did a good job there, but now inflation's 9.1%. Mm -hmm. How are you going to make money in this market? There's so many different bonds out there, Mike, though. What bond is the best option for investors in this environment? Kristen, in this environment, I'm not a big fan of bonds. I, I just hmm. would not move there. Uh, bonds are based on interest rates and what the Fed is likely to do moving forward. If they raise interest rates, it's bad for bonds. If they lower interest rates, it's good for bonds. There are alternatives. And, and technically, there are bond alternatives. Uh, structured notes. We love structured notes right now because we have more control. I don't like the lack of control in the bond environment right now. Gotcha. I would much rather have a conversation with somebody about here's what we can do. Let's get more creative and help people know all of their options. Find out more guarding your Based on data from executives at some of the world's biggest chocolate companies, consumers in both the United States and Europe are cutting back on chocolate because of rising prices. Now, this is probably the higher-end chocolate, not like an Andes Mints or a Twix. Either way, it's just another thing showing that nothing is immune to inflation, right? I mean, it's Chocolate's chocolate. Chocolate's not immune to everything. inflation. Gosh, we can't yeah. even splurge on something like that. But all joking aside, consumer prices, we know are up 9.1% from last year. In fact, mm -hmm. the average American family, now this is average, is spending an additional $493 a month more than this time last year. That's according to Moody's Analytics. But Mike, the folks that you help at Talon Wealth as a fee-only fiduciary financial advisor are soon to be our current retirees. And with inflation over 9%, I'm wondering if those folks have changed their spending behavior or at least talked to you as their advisor about that. Yeah, certainly. So go back to our process. Somebody reaches out to us and they're either at or near retirement or maybe they're five, 10 years to retirement, but they have their nest egg and they want to make sure that uh, they're not just hanging in there on it or they want to find out more about active management. And we get the phone call and let's say that we sit down and we do a complete analysis of where they're at. We provide them with a complete financial plan and we give them this roadmap to retirement. That roadmap to retirement is based on certain assumptions, right? Because nobody has a crystal ball on exactly what the market's going to do. So we work very hard to do active management on the portfolios. And if you look at uh, some assumptions from, let's just say, five years ago that you're making in portfolios, well, the average annual returns, I mean, they pretty much are, are, are in line. But the one thing that's really throwing people is the inflation part. And they'll mm. come back to me and go, Mike, I know that you had inflation as a part of the portfolio and as part of the management in there. But did you calculate 9% inflation? Mm. And the answer is no. I mean, there wasn't a reason to right. do it at that time. I'm thinking back to a conversation I was having with a client the other day. It's a common conversation, but to, to this point, what he was asking me was, I know we put together a plan. And I know we were successful in retirement based on those assumptions, but the assumptions were a certain average rate of return in the market, a certain amount of risk in the market, and then uh, inflation. And what I was able to tell him was I said, 
listen, we're more than on track. So I, I realize that inflation is much higher than we calculated. But also, we're way ahead of the, the curve, if you want to call it that, when it comes to returns. Because most people who are invested, and there's nothing wrong with this, but most people are hanging in there in this market. Most people have a 401k without advice. Most people are working with a financial advisor or a big firm or a big bank or what have you that's just telling you to hang in there. And those people in that situation, not all, right? I'm going to be a little more vague here. Not everybody's down a lot, but of we're course. talking to people that are down a lot in their portfolio. And he's not because we took action this year, right? We moved our clients that have retirement accounts with us into our most conservative investments back in January, feeling it was going to be a bad market. Then interest rates started ticking up and we wanted to get away from those most conservative investments because a lot of times conservative investments are bonds. And when interest rates go up, it hurts bonds. So we went ahead and moved to cash. We've made several moves this year. And in this particular case, in this particular client, they are way ahead of what the market's doing. So, you know, when he looks at the news and he thinks, oh my goodness, look at inflation, look at markets, look at everything else, we can go back and look at his portfolio and say, listen, you're still on track. Because even though inflation is 9.1%, and by the way, I don't think it's going to stay there. Eventually, that'll come back and be more balanced. We were making assumptions about returns that included losses greater than what you're actually taking in your portfolio. So you're still ahead of, of markets moving huh. forward. So I would just want all of our listeners to, to understand that financial advisors and planners and firms, now there's a lot of ways to go about managing portfolios. Not all, but the majority of firms will just try to convince you to hang in there. That's the easiest way to manage money. It's the least amount of work for the financial advisor. And there are some statistics out there that would say that, well, hey, listen, even if your clients are losing money, once they're down, they're not very likely to make a change because they're afraid that mm. that change will um, cost them even uh, more, cost them even more money. And so that, that's the way the business in general is not all the time run, but that it's, it's pretty common. So for listeners who are in that situation, it's pretty common to be in that situation. But what we want to make sure that we put in front of everybody is we're not in that the sort of category of firm that says, well, we're just going to build a diversified portfolio and hang in there eventually to get better. We want to actually earn the fees that our clients are paying us. I don't think you're earning it to tell people to hang in there. You can, Kristen, you don't need a financial advisor if the goal is to be diversified and hang in there. There are great firms out there that will charge you nothing to be diversified and hang in there. Huh. So if somebody's charging you something and they're telling you hang in there, I got news for you. You can do that for free. We need to earn our living. We need to earn and, and be valuable to people. And I would say we create value. Or the idea is to create value. If we can show you a higher average rate of return, net of fees, then we're providing value. If not only higher average rate of return, we can also show you how to get those returns with less risk, we're providing value. And so there really is, and particularly right now, this dynamic between hang in there versus active management. And I think most people would prefer active management. Most people don't have it, but also most people aren't aware of exactly how it works. So it's literally our job to sit down with individuals. We can have that conversation with you, explain active management. We can show you our returns. Uh, we can compare those returns to your returns. You can decide for yourself whether or not you think we could provide value. And if so, you might want to hire us. But the reason we put ourselves out there and say, we'll do this planning and we'll do this analysis for you complimentary is let's just get away from this idea that we're trying to make money writing up financial plans for individuals. We're not. I mean, that's not how we make a living. If right. you decide 
that we can provide value, then we're, if you're making money, we're going to make money. That's what the fiduciary relationship should look like. It shouldn't be, well, if you make money, I make money, and I'm going to charge you fees for planning. That's the reason we don't do it. And that plan should be updated at least on an annual basis. And, and an advisor shouldn't be charging you for that. So to everybody out there, and I know this because we're hearing it week after week after week, my advisor's telling me to hang in there. I want to come in and compare what you're doing to, to how I'm doing. I want to know more about active management. Give us a call. We'll find the office closest to you. We'll do a sit down and we'll do all of that for you complimentary. This is this is, this is this is Guarding Your Nest Egg with Mike Lester. Catch up and interact with the show anytime at guardingyournestegg.com. Mike Lester is an investment advisor representative of Talon Private Wealth, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Talon Private Wealth and this station are not affiliated. Information presented on this program is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Discussions and answers to questions do not involve the rendering of personalized advice, but are limited to the dissemination of general information.